Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Missouri voters will once again have a chance to decide whether they want their state to be a right-to-work state. They'll vote August 7th on Proposition A. It's really a referendum on a right-to-work bill passed by the legislature. Opponents petitioned it to referendum. Simply put, Proposition A says right-to-work means unions can represent workers, but employees can opt out of paying union dues. Joining me in studio is Jack Cardetti, spokesperson against Proposition A. Senator Bob Onder is a spokesperson for Proposition A. He joins us by phone. Thank you, Senator, for being with us, and thank you, Jack, for being with us. Thank you, Don, for having me on. We, uh, we flipped a coin before all of this uh, started today to determine who would go first in this conversation. And, uh, Jack, the coin toss was in your favor, so I'll ask you, as I will ask the senator in a moment, to make your best basic case for voting against Prop A. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate uh, being on. It's it's good to be with you uh, as well, Senator. Um, you know, this really comes down to one thing. Uh, Proposition A will be on the ballot uh, in, a, in about a week and a half here. And, and the central question is here is, do Missourians want lower wages? Because that is precisely what we'll get if Prop A uh, is enacted. We, we've looked at all of the other states. And, and really, um, that's, that's the bottom line, is that Proposition A will lower wages both for union workers and for non-union workers. Um, and, and that's really what we're talking about here is what type of economy do we want to have in Missouri, right? Um, is this a what, – what becoming a right-to-work state and passing Prop A would do is it would become a race to the bottom here. We'd try to pay uh, workers the lowest wage possible so that we could beef up the bottom line. We could pay CEOs more. We could increase that gap between what CEOs and workers um, make. That's the kind of economy that the proponents of Prop A want, what the opponents of, of Prop A um, want, we want to have an economy that lifts all boats. We want workers to be able to make good wages so that they can make uh, ends meet and they can uh, provide for their family. And that's, I think, why you've seen so much enthusiasm out there from the no on Prop A crowd. Senator Rondo, your best basic case. Well, thank you, Don, for having me on. No, uh, the, the, the case for right to work, the case for a yes vote on Proposition A is that Prop A is a pro-worker, pro-freedom, pro-jobs measure. Um, first, remember last month the U.S. Supreme Court in the Janus case upheld the freedom of speech and association for public sector workers throughout the country. Uh, the court ruled that unions cannot force public sector unions to pay a fee uh, public sector union workers to pay a fee to a union as a condition of employment. Uh, on August 7th, Missouri voters will have a chance to extend the same freedom to all workers in our state by passing Prop A. If unions want more members, they should work to earn those members' support. In many of my constituents in my district say they are not happy uh, with the fact that unions take their hard-earned money and use it to support liberal Democrats like Nancy Pelosi, like Hillary Clinton, at a, at a time when 60 percent of union, Missouri, union workers in Missouri voted for, Hill, uh, for Donald Trump. Um, and, and, uh, and as far as, as wages, uh, exactly the opposite of what Mr. Cardetti said is true. Wage growth in right-to-work state, um, change in real personal income, according to the uh, U.S. Uh, Bureau of Economic Analysis, the Department of Labor, in the last 15 years, right-to-work states have grown at 39% in personal income and non-right-to-work states by 25%. 
on average, if you account for cost of living, and this is very important, you can't compare Silicon Valley, California, a forced union area, with a uh, town in Mississippi. If you adjust for cost of living, right to work, uh, right to work state workers make twenty-two hundred and fifty dollars more than uh, than than their counterparts in forced union states. So no, we want to race to the top. Missouri is competing with surrounding states. Every surrounding state other than Illinois is a freedom to work state. If we want the kind of opportunity, the kind of job growth, the kind of wages wage growth that uh, that other freedom to work states are enjoying, Missouri voters should adopt Prop A on August 7th. Jack, do his numbers dilute your argument on wages? No, because quite frankly, they're not true. Nine of the 10 states with the highest poverty in this country are right-to-work states. Um, what Senator Anders talking about is, of course, CEOs make more in right-to-work states, including their bonuses and their stock dividends. But the entire point here is that that comes at the expense of middle-class families. According to U.S. Census Bureau, this is the federal government, um, the median household income, and of course, that's important. Median is middle class. It's the 50th percentile. Um, median household income income is $8,700 lower in right-to-work states. And that's why you've seen so much enthusiasm from across the state, every corner of the state, Missourians standing up and saying, we're not going to approve uh, Prop A because we don't want to lower our pay. Missourians are out there aggressively protecting their pay because they know what happens to middle-class workers. What, and it's funny to hear Senator Onder talk about making Missouri more competitive and leveling the playing field. All those are code words for we need to be able to pay workers less so that corporate bottom lines are heftier, CEOs can make more pay. And, and quite frankly, Missourians aren't falling for that. And Missourians in Senator Anders' district, I drove last weekend with my family uh, over to Defiance to see family members ours. Um, there were literally for every one yes on Prop A sign out there, there were 100 uh, no on Prop A signs. So Missourians are really getting this. They understand that to build the kind of economy we need, we need to have a healthy middle class, and you don't do that by lowering wages, and that's what Prop A does. Uh, there is a point, Senator, that uh, according to the things that I've read, that the polls are showing fairly uh, definitively that uh, the no side has a distinct advantage here. Well, Don, the, um, the unions have spent $16 million trying to prevent Missouri from becoming a freedom-to-work state and to prevent Missourians from being forced to join or support a union as a condition of employment or lose their jobs. And so a $16 million campaign with confusing ballot language that the unions were, uh, wrote themselves to, to fool voters. Um, I admit we probably are a little bit behind in the polls right now, but the real quote, the, this, this business of, 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 uh, of, of workers making, uh, dramatically more in right-to-works, I'm sorry, in the forced union states. Well, that's just not true. I'm not, the, the $8,700 figure that Mr. Cardetti cited has, has been debunked by independent fact-checkers. The important thing is that you cannot compare the, the southern states uh, with very low cost of living with very high cost of living forced union states like Illinois, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and California. Um, if you adjust for the cost of living, workers in freedom-to-work states make $2,250 more. And more importantly, when, when states become right-to-work states, the trajectory in wages is faster. Job growth is improved. Um, job growth in freedom-to-work states has, has been 8.5% over the last decade. 
and only 5% in non-rate-to-work states. Um, and if you want to talk about salaries at the top, I, I, let's talk about the six-figure salaries and the political prerogatives of the union bosses who are forcing workers who bag groceries for minimum wage at Schnucks or Deerbergs or SEIU workers who make only a little more than minimum wage, what are they getting of value for their union dues? Um, this is why this is an issue of not only economic growth, freedom to work states grow faster, jobs grow more robustly in freedom to work states, but it's also an issue of freedom. No one should be forced to pay tribute to union bosses and pay, uh, really pay for political support of liberal Democrats that they don't approve of their policies in, as a condition of employment. That's just wrong. Senator, let me stay with you for a moment on this. Uh, what happens if if, if uh, the no vote prevails? Uh, a lot of people are suggesting that what will happen with the Republican governor and with the Republican legislature, they'll just pass another right-to-work bill. Is that is that likely? Is that a possible scenario? Well, Donna, I can just tell you one thing. Doing right-to-work is the right thing to do by the people of Missouri, both from a standpoint of freedom of speech and freedom of association. It's the right thing to do so that our children and our grandchildren will have the economic opportunity. We can't let a small cadre of union bosses hold our states behind when we are competing against the, the 27 states who have already become freedom-to-work states. So I can promise you that, that we will continue to work for freedom-to-work and that Missouri will become a right-to-work state. Have you heard that scenario, Jack? Yeah, I, I think what Senator Onder said right there is very disappointing. He essentially said he knows better than his constituents uh, what, the, what they ought to be, be making. That is, is really something. And you'll remember, it was Senator Onder and the legislature Jack, Jack that moved. Jack, 70% of that my moved, constituents wait, 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 Just a second. Senator, just a so, second. Let him finish and then we'll – So again, you'll remember it was the legislators like Senator Onder that moved this uh, referendum from November to August because they said they wanted the people to be able to uh, vote on this issue uh, at the first possible opportunity. And now what Senator Onder is, is conceding is that even if this goes down in flames, maybe he'll go back uh, and support that. And, and that's really disappointing. The other thing that Senator Onder fails to say is that the Supreme Court's ruled that no one can be forced to join a union a, as a condition of their uh, employment. Um, and, and so I, what we're really talking about here is how are we going to have an economy where we're essentially going to become like the states of Mississippi and Alabama that Senator Onder was talking about, where we want to try to pay workers and employees as little as possible? Now, Senator Onder is friends with another senator in the chamber, Senator Emery. Um, senator Emery, a couple years ago, in responding to criticism that average wages all go down and right to work, said, and I quote, sure they go down. That's the point here, right, is this is a conscious decision by Prop A supporters to try to drive down wages. Luckily, Missourians aren't falling for that. They realize that by having a strong union presence in the state, not only does that help union wages and benefits stay higher, but it also helps non-union employees because that is a presence in the labor market that makes everyone lift their boat. Workers get paid more. They have better benefits. The one problem, if 
the, if Prop A passes that Senator Andre and others are going to deal with is the budget impact this has. Because when t- workers take less pay home, guess what? Less tax revenue comes in. At the same time, they have less benefits, and therefore the state budget gets hit because they have to pay more Medicaid and other costs. So this is really a double whammy to the state budget. And that's another reason I think that Missourians are going to come out overwhelmingly um, in, in a week and a half here, and they're going to vote no so that they can protect their pay. Senator, you wanted to make a comment earlier. Go ahead. This is your chance. Well, well again, as far as listening to my constituents, uh, my my constituents have put, been polled numerous time, times. Seventy percent of my general election voters support right to work and freedom to work. But again, this is an utter falsehood that uh, wages go down in freedom to work states. Uh, wages grow, according to the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis, Department of Labor, wage growth is faster in freedom to work states than it is in forced unionization states. And um, again, Mr. Cardetti wants to, want, com, continues to want to talk about the wages in the southern states. Now, those states do have much lower cost of living, but other states, such as Indiana and, and the birthplace of organized labor, Michigan and Wisconsin, uh, these states have realized that we are competing in, in, a, uh, in a global and a national marketplace, and to bring the kind of economic opportunity and job growth that Missourians deserve, we need to become a, a freedom to work state as well, um, and, uh, and 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 really, this this is really the the essence of the question: Do we force workers who don't wish to support a union to join or pay dues to the union? He refers to the Supreme Court's Beck decision, but unfortunately, uh, if if members in a unionized workplace decide to opt out of being a member of the union, they're still forced to pay agency fees that usually run about ninety percent of the union dues so uh, that's that, that's just that's just that is really just a scam um, workers need to be able to choose whether they want to join or financially support a union gentlemen i have to take a break now we'll do that and come back and continue the conversation we're talking with jack cardetti spokesperson against proposition a senator bob Andre is a spokesperson for for proposition a he is on the phone we'd like to get uh, your input folks out there in the listening audience give us a call at 382-8255 if you have a question or comment about this you can send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org if you prefer to go the tweet route it's uh, stl on air this is st louis on the air on st louis public radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast supported by University College at Washington University with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time evening and online. University College at Washington University offering world-class education within reach. And welcome back as we continue our conversation on Proposition A. Uh, Senator Ronder, doesn't this really boil down to more of a Democrat-Republican issue as opposed to a worker issue? Well, Don, there is an element of that, of course. We know that 60% of uh, 
union workers in the state of Missouri voted for Donald Trump in 2016. And yet, um, you know, Jack Cardetti, in addition to representing the uh, unions in this case, he's a very prominent and very successful political consultant. So, of course, um, the Democrat Party is going to want more wages forced out of workers' hard-earned paychecks in order to support their coffers and to support people like Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, uh, Hillary Clinton, of course. And at the same time, the workers in my district, both union and non-union, don't believe that their hard-earned wages should be confiscated by unions in order to support people that they don't support. So I, I think there is that p- political element to it. But I think more importantly, in 2015, the first time we w- voted on right to work in the legislature, as the Senate was about to uh, go to vote, Volvo announced that, that they were opening an auto plant in South Carolina. That was a $1.1 billion investment in that state. When it's fully operating, they're going to produce 150,000 cars a year and employ 3,900 workers making good wages and good benefits. Not coincidentally, South Carolina is a freedom-to-work state. We are never going to have manufacturing job opportunities like that South Carolina Volvo plant, like the auto plants across the South and across the West, until we become a freedom-to-work state. That's really what this issue voting yes on Proposition A on August 7th is all about. Jack, isn't there a point to his, uh, his contention that there are a lot of union workers who don't like to see their union money go to a particular party or particular candidate? So what Senator Onder described there right there is actually illegal. Unions have dues, and then they have a voluntary political fund that they make contributions from. They cannot take dues money and spend that in any way um, on political do- donations. That can only be done through voluntary contributions. Um, and so he really is uh, misleading the listeners here. The, every union dollar spent on any type of advocacy uh, or, or political campaign contributions, those only come through voluntary uh, contributions made by workers in cases like this where they want to stand up and have their voices heard. And that's exactly what this issue is. They're trying to uh, make a when it comes to labor and when it comes to to, to companies, they want to have an unfair advantage. Right now, the unions are that voice in the workplace. They're able to to collectively bargain and represent. If they know if they're able to take that element away, they're able to drive wages down. They're able to drive benefits down. Um, you know, Senator Under keeps on talking about uh, sort of comparing us to other workers. Now, the Economic Policy Institute and the Missouri Budget Project have both looked at um, a study of what does a Missouri worker make versus uh, their counterpart in surrounding states uh, and taking into effect cost of living in all these. Missouri workers actually make 3.1 percent more. See, that's the very different, and that's the exact contrast in this campaign. We think that that's a good thing, that Missouri workers make more. We think that's good for the economy. We think it's good for families. We think it makes a strong middle class. Those dark money interests that are funding this other side, and again, the majority of their money has come from dark money. We don't know where it comes from, probably not from Missouri. They're the ones trying to drive those wages down. Let's uh, get the audience into this conversation. We have a number of calls. I'd like to get to as many as we can. We'll start with the, the first one to come in is Antonio calling from St. Louis. Antonio, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, good afternoon. Hi. Uh, first, I want to say that I am a, uh, I, a African-American worker. I was born in Kansas, which is a right-to-work state, and I'm now a resident of Missouri, due in part to some of the 
well, to the right to work laws in Kansas. Uh, so I, I just have a couple of questions. Uh, my first one, I guess, is uh, for the creator of uh, Prop A, Vance Muse, openly uh, famous racist who used right to work to promote racism. And uh, wages in right to work states, African American men make about 7% less than their counterpart. And African American women make about 7, 3% less than African American men. And so I guess my question to that is, for the, the, the proponents of right to work, is this the same agenda that Vance Muse intended? Or have the backers of Prop A done anything to change that? Now, Antonio, thank you. I'm going to stop you right there so we can get the senator to respond to that, being uh, for, the, uh, for the proposition. What do you think about that, uh, Senator Roger? Well, the... What I can say is comparing wages to uh, right-to-work states to forced union states, again, the forced union states tend to be the highest cost-of-living states in, a, in our country. The question is, what is, what is the trajectory? What is the direction of wage growth in right-to-work states versus, uh, versus freedom-to-work, uh, versus forced union states? And... Um, you know, and, and, what, and what is the rate of job growth? The rate of job growth in right-to-work states is 8.5%, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 5% for, uh, for forced union states, so, so a good almost, uh, what, 40% higher. Uh, the change in real personal income is 39% over the last decade and a half in right-to-work states, uh, only 25 in uh, forced union states. So this idea of a race to the bottom or, or, uh, or, or, or the right to work for less, it's, it's just absolutely uh, incorrect. And, um, you know, I, I, really, I really challenge Mr. Cardetti to, uh, to, you know, to say again that unions don't use money in politics. They absolutely use money in politics. They do it under the guise of quote, communications, uh, the $16 million of uh, money spent by the unions to prevent Missouri from becoming a freedom-to-work state, uh, that, that does not come out of voluntary uh, uh, union member contributions. That's coming from the coffers. That's coming from the dues. I would, I would challenge him to uh, say otherwise. Well, he, he's already said that. I want to get him to respond to what Antonio said, suggesting that there's a racist component to all of this. If you look at the origins of right to work, it, it is frankly disgusting, um, and 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 it, it is really sad. It, it was great to see the St. Louis American newspaper come out this week, just this week, uh, in opposition to Proposition A because they understand what we understand. They've they've read the same studies and insight, and, and that's that that, that right to work. And Proposition A here, it affects all workers, but it disproportionately impacts women and minorities. It really drives down their wages at a time when we need to be helping uh, women and minorities uh, have a better foothold uh, in this economy. And one of the things that it directly does is it exacerbates the gap that we know already exists between CEO and worker pay. In right-to-work states, CEOs make 361 times more than the average worker. That's not a healthy economy. That's not going to build a middle class. Um, so really ap- appreciate the call because uh, w- what he said there matters. I mean, this dispro- Proposition A will disproportionately impact women and minorities. Well, let's get another caller in. Brad will join us. Uh, Brad, thank you for waiting. You're on the air. Yes, I'm a part of a union, and I choose to be, and I'm happy to be, and I don't have to be. There's a lot of shops I can go work for, non-union, and I'll make about 50% less 
and I won't have insurance. And the senator made a comment about why do the, the, the baggers and schnooks and deerbergs have to join the union? They get insurance. Without the union, no, they, they wouldn't don't. have insurance. No, they, they would be they would be trying to get state funded insurance, like the employees at Walmart who are non union. And uh, I know a lot of non union painters, and most of them don't want to join a union because they are forced to take a drug test and they can't pass it. Okay, Brad. We've got it. The senator, I'm sure, wants to respond to that. Yeah, no, no. The ba- the beggars at Schnucks and Deerbergs do not um, do not get insurance. They uh, may they work 20 hours a week. They're uh, forced to pay 120 dollars initiation fees plus have uh, money removed from each and every paycheck uh, to uh, pay the union bosses. And at the same time, they uh, make minimum wage, I guess less than minimum wage by the time they pay their union dues, and uh, they get no no pension, uh, no health insurance. And, and there are many other workers in very similar situations. Why should, why should a worker, I ask again, be forced to join a union uh, if, or, or support a union with agency fees if he or she doesn't? feel that is, uh, that is of value. And I'll tell you what disproportionately affects women and minorities in our economy. It's lack of jobs. It's lack of opportunity. If your economy is not growing, and fortunately, under, under, the, uh, under the Trump economy right now, we're growing at 4.1% last quarter. So jobs are growing everywhere now. But historically, uh, forced union states have lagged behind, uh, behind, uh, uh, behind right-to-work states, in job growth, and that hurts everyone, including women and minorities. We really need to move Missouri forward by becoming a freedom-to-work state, and that will help women and minorities as well as other workers in our economy. Do you want to react to that, uh, Jack? Well, I think the one thing that the senator and I uh, probably agree on here is this issue does come down to freedom. And as you heard from that worker, workers have freedom right now because they have healthy unions. They can choose to be uh, in a union shop. They can choose not to. Um, but really it comes down to the freedom to be able to get paid less and have few, fewer benefits. That's what you're seeing out here. That's what the groundswell of opposition to Prop A, uh, even in Senator Anders' backyard, which I think will overwhelmingly uh, vote no on this, they, they, they don't want the freedom to get paid less uh, and to have fewer, uh, fewer benefits. They want to be able to have strong jobs with strong wages where they're able to have health insurance and other things. When you get, when right to work comes in, if Prop A were to pass, a lot of workers out there are going to lose their benefits. If, and that's one of the driving costs for families. If unions are so desirable, why has the, the union membership just declined so rapidly? I think it's about 8% in Missouri right now, thereabouts. And that's uh, considerably lower than it was just a couple of years ago. Yeah, you see that happening all, all across uh, the country and all across the, the economy. Uh, that's not a recent phenomenon. But by having strong unions in the state, it really helps all workers pay. Because if I'm in an industry and I have union competition, to get the best skilled workers, I'm going to have to pay my workers more. I'm going to have to give them benef- better benefits. Um, and that's the, that's the reason why uh, these economies and non-right-to-work states uh, have a healthier middle class. Uh, this is really, I mean, right to work is about paying, being able to pay workers less and therefore increase a bottom line, increase CEO pay at the expense of our middle class workers. Bring in, uh, we're bringing Mark now calling from St. Louis. Mark, thank you for waiting. You're on the air. How are you folks doing today? Great. Go ahead, please. Um, the, the issue the issue with this idea, this, this individual that's claiming that they can uh, 
really uh, bring down the cost of living for people in the in the state of Missouri by uh, opening up this right to work is really misleading because if you look at what what NAFTA did or as far as opening up manufacturing when they shipped all this work down to Mexico or, or prior to that where there was so much manufacturing that left to China, we didn't see this big drop in costs of products coming back to us, especially like in the agricultural field. New Holland was one company that, that took advantage of uh, when NAFTA opened. They, they, uh, they shipped, they, they set up a, a large section of final, final manufacturing or final assembly of their products and then brought them brought them across the uh, Mexican border into the United States, and there was no change in terms of like a like a reduction in those costs of those products. Mark, we have the point, and time's getting away. I'll ask Senator Ronder if he wants to respond to that. Well, of course, NAFTA and trade policies are are a different issue, but but no, it's not that uh, it's not that freedom to work um, lowers the cost of living. What freedom to work is it does is creates the opportunities that benefits all workers both union and non-union workers since indiana became a freedom to work state and for that matter since oklahoma became a freedom to work state there have been increases increases in jobs in fact in oklahoma contrary to the union commercial on tv right now oklahoma's gained one hundred and thirty thousand jobs since becoming a freedom to work state but both oklahoma and indiana have actually gained union workers after becoming a freedom-to-work state. If unions add, add value for their members, add values for the, to the businesses they partner with, they will thrive in freedom-to-work states, and a rising tide raises all boats. That's why we need to become a freedom-to-work state and vote yes on Prop A. Uh, our time is winding down. Jack, uh, take a couple of seconds for a final thought, and then I have to give Senator Ronder the last word because you started this whole thing. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me today. Um, you know, this is, is a lot of times issues go on the ballot, ballot initiatives, and, and they are only tangentially uh, impactful on people's lives. This one really is. I mean, we, when you talk about pocketbook issues, there is no more fundamental pocketbook issue than, than, than wages. Yep. And so I think that's one of the reasons you're going to see an outpouring of opposition come uh, election day to this because Missourians are going to uh, rise up and we're going to protect our pay. And I think that's why this loses. Let me get the senator in for the final word. Well, my, in 30 seconds, the final, please. The, the final word is that no one should be forced to join or support a union uh, in order to keep or get, get a job. Uh, freedom to work is pro-worker, it's pro-freedom, it's pro-jobs, and I encourage all your listeners to vote yes on Proposition A on August 7th. Thanks a lot, Don. Well, I'll thank you, Senator Bob Bonder and Jack Cardetti, for giving us their positions on Proposition A. The right-to-work proposition, of course. A reminder, a yes vote would favor making Missouri a right-to-work state. A no vote would reject that. Thank you once again, gentlemen. That's it for today. Monday on St. Louis on the Air, we'll remember the flood of 93 on the 25th anniversary of the crest of the Mississippi River in St. Louis. If you have memories of the flood and how it affected your life, we'd like to hear them. You can send an email to stlpublicradio.org or call our listener line at 516-6397 to share your story. That's 516-NEWS. St. Louis on the Air is produced by Alex Hoyer and Evie Hemphill, with production assistance from Aaron Dorr, Caitlin Lally, and Charlie McDonald. The executive producer is Mary Edwards. St. Louis on the Air is a reduction of St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh. <laughs>